All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Boombastic Cast. Alexander Hawk over there, the man who loves to say Boombastic Cast while I say the Boombastic Cast. Well, what can I say? I just love that word. I mean, Boombastic Cast. I prefer, I prefer, you know, there's this other show called Behold the Pill Podcast and. I know there's a guy on there that after somebody else says the, the name of the show, that, that guy always goes, ah, ah. it makes a funny sound. I prefer the funny sound over the, over the echo. <laughs> In a world of madness, you don't want to be hearing too many echoes. You might start to question your own sanity. I got no sanity here, man. No sanity here. You know, speaking of uh, sanity, <laughs> we have a great guest with us today stopping into the old boom cast nook. Heck yeah. Uh, hell yeah. My friend Andy Driscoll will be popping in. Um, you know, known now for a whole, a whole, whole gigantic amount of, uh, you know, the, the podcasting. He does a lot of shows like we do, you know, kicking fucking ass, which is great to hear. Um, but it also, there was a time when he was a, a proprietor, proprietor, yeah, proprietor. Proprietor. I was losing my yeah. mind for a little bit there. That's okay. I found it and I gave it back to you. You're a good man. I like that okay. T-shirt. Where nice. he was, he was a proprietor, not a pie eater, a proprietor of a comic book shop. You know, and that's always interested me because you know, as much as I, I, I won't lie and say I'm some gigantic fan of comic books because I'm not, but I respect, of course. I always, I love the artwork. You know what I mean? Um, and I appreciate it to the fullest. Um, but it, I've always been curious about that business. But uh, you want to bring the gentleman in? Okay, so here is Mr. Andy Dwyer. Andy Driscoll in the building. Ooh, we won't Driscoll. do any. Um, here it is. I won't. I won't talk any further because I, I, I'll bring it all up with this man right here. Andy, how you doing over there? Hey, what's going on, uh, Matt? Not too bad. Not too bad. Alex, how you doing over there? You doing all right? I'm doing okay. I'm ready uh, as ever. It's a beautiful thing. So we met Andy via the Dorkening type deal, I think. The Dorkening who distributes our audio podcast, um, our audio show at least, is has a connection with you guys. You guys linked up somehow, right? Yeah, I actually met uh, Leo. We were doing, um, oh boy, what was the name? It was a horror convention. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Scaragon? Um, Scarecon, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And uh, he he was the table next to us, and it's that table where you have to constantly go. I'm sorry, can I squeeze by you guys <laughs> one more time? Yep. Yeah. So we got to know each other pretty well that weekend, and we ended up um, hosting some panels for him and just connecting there. And you know, like minded people tend to to hit it off. So yeah, Leo's yeah. a good dude. Was that 2017, maybe or 2009? Oh. Was it 19? What year were we there, Hawk? 19? Uh, I think it was nine. <sighs> Wait, uh, no. Maybe I remember, yeah, we did, um, we got to do some panels too, which was cool. That was always good. We always love to give Leo big props for that. Yeah. I think it was 2018, if memory serves me correctly. It was in, in Framingham, not the Scarecon in New York. It was right, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's our deal. Yeah. New York's too far of a hike. Hopefully yeah. we'll see Scarecon again one day. That'll be great. Any convention, any any meeting more than five people would be awesome. How you yeah. how you holding up with all this COVID deal, shutting everything down? 
So I am someone who has some depression issues and I tend to handle them by scheduling myself and making sure I'm very busy. Yeah. So when this kicked off, I got laid off from my day job. Um, all my kind of side hustles screeched to a halt. So it was not great. Yeah. Um, and the first month our, our podcast went dark because we weren't sure what we were going to do. And we, at the time we only recorded in person. Um, so at that point we, uh, found out about zoom and started using zoom and i went crazy i I recorded so many podcasts this summer that i think ones that went up in january recorded in september because i was so far ahead yeah but zoom yeah it's funny how much zoom's taken over you know what i mean it's one of those things that like before covid broke out it wasn't that it was, it was, I don't know if it wasn't just a big deal or if it just kind of kicked off when co- around the time COVID happened, but they, 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 they really lucked out in that situation. Yeah. There, it's definitely an industry that blew up because of um, the situation. And, and I gotta say, like, I, I was never a fan of like podcasts that recorded remotely, but the quality on zoom is, is pretty good. It's not, uh, you know, it really depends on the, the Wi-Fi connections, but yeah, not bad. Yeah, we uh, we have some people that complain on the on our little network about you know how they want to get back together and when when this first happened we were on the on like a Zoom thing and it was just the two faces it was real weird and it was just like I wasn't jiving with it but now I'd rather I like Zoom a lot now I'd almost rather Zoom than you know go through the whole hoopla of course we meet every <laughs> now and then but you know you know it really depends on the show um, the Inebriart show has done so much better because where I kind of got off my high horse and said, you know, I'll record remotely. We've been able to get so many better guests, um, like phenomenal guests that we would have never had the chance to. Um, Some of our other shows definitely work better in person. Um, Bar talk, we tend to drink the entire time. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's not as much fun when you're sitting at home, staring at a computer screen. Yeah. But um, yeah. So it, it, it's got its place and we will definitely continue to use it, but I, I, I prefer getting back in the same room with people. It's much more fun. It's easy to explain. Yeah. The drink. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that much fun drinking alone at home. I it, mean, it, drink, it, drinking is a, 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 a thing you got to do with a group of friends or, Unless you, you know, judge thorough good. Unless you judge thorough good, man. Yeah. You drink it, alone. And, and when you're drinking on Zoom, you're like, this is justifying my problem, not really the interesting <laughs> issue. It's like, I'm not really alone. And you're like, yeah, you are. It's true. You know, with Zoom, you could always do a mirror effect and always have a friend. You know, <laughs> every, he, can, he can match every shot with you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I know when we first started talking, we started talking about the comic book world because I mean, yeah. you told yeah. me how at one, at one time you owned a comic book shop. And that's always interesting me because, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I've never been a gigantic fan. I've always respected comic books, but I've never like um, kept up with it. It's always one of those things where like I had a feeling like I wouldn't be able to keep up and it would kill me that I would be missing chunks. So like I just never got into it, but I love the artwork. I always have. Um, but, uh, a lucrative thing was the question in my mind, you know, because it's one of those things where, you know, you love to do it, you get into it. it, It's, it's almost seems like it's good on paper in a way, but then like when you, when, when, you know, when people are, 
when they're trying, you know, people come in, they're trying to nitpick, you know, take money off. And when you really get in there with the money, it's beautiful when you're collecting them and you're having fun. But when you bring the money between you and the collector, I think that's where the, there's like a a little like uh, interaction lost or something a little like, uh, they don't want, I don't know. It's weird. What's your take? For for sure. I mean, it's as far as lucrative, I mean, you don't get, you don't open a comic shop because you're like, whoa, I'm going to make a million dollars. Because otherwise millionaires would have comic shops. Uh, It's, it's really a passion. Um, And I, I totally kind of get what you're saying. I grew up about uh, two blocks, two, three blocks from a comic book shop in, in Whitman, um, R&R card, Cards and Comics. Yeah. And um, that's where I fell in love with comics. As I grew up, I feel like most um, people who love comics kind of have that moment like in their early teens where they, they don't not love it anymore, but they kind of shelve it a little bit because they don't want to be like, especially... I mean, we're talking like mid eighties, you know, it wasn't cool by any stretch of the imagination. So you kind of shelved it a little bit. Um, but after that, like I was a huge GI Joe kid. Like I had boatloads of them, um, transformers, star Wars figures. So I was more of the vintage toy collectible, um, person. And that's really kind of, what I collected, but when you open a, you know, a shop like that, the comic books are what, and this is where you come into the business part of it. You know, there's new comics that come out every Wednesday and people come in and buy the same comics every single month. Those are the people that you can kind of count on being like this month, we will get X number of dollars from these people, Mm -hmm. hopefully. And, um, you know, everything else will hopefully be gravy and you can build your, 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 uh, selection around that. So my store was very heavy, into DC direct figures and Marvel busts and vintage action figures. And we had uh, two GI Joe aircraft carriers and an Imperial uh, star Wars, Imperial shuttle mint in box, never open. Like we, we, we were very lucky. We had some really cool stuff come through there. Um, And I mean, boatloads of back issue comics. And I, to me, the comic book shop was a place where you hung out and kind of, talked about comics yeah and that's what really it became certain like aspects about people nitpicking i found because people would bring stuff in to sell all the time those were the people who mostly would nitpick you or be like well you know this is a 70 dollar action figure and you'd be like i'll give you 35 dollars and they'll be like, well, it's a $70. I'm like, yeah, but it's going to sit on a shelf for right. six months and I have to pay the light bills and I have to eat and I have kids. And mm-hmm. um, so it, a lot of people don't understand business and turning a profit in general. So that's kind of the, the harder thing. Yeah. The, the kind of haggling and talking you down prices I found was more of a, a convention thing, you know, where you're like, well, that guy down the row has it for you know, $3 less and you're trying to say like, okay, am I having a shitty day or a great day? Do I need to make the $10 and not the $13? And yeah. so that, I mean, that, that's just part of business and some people get it and some people don't, but I found the, the our regular customers were less likely. Like if you know, if they, if, if they came through and you kind of like knocked a couple bucks off, they'd be like, no, no, 
Oh really? You know, I understand business is hard and, and yeah, oh yeah, the the real diehards that hmm. love a shop, love a shop and they want it to stay open. They want it to be there in the future, yeah. Truth. Exactly. I'm the type of guy that loves this shop, but I still I'll still take that discount. I'm that type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most people did. Most people yeah. did, but there were there were people that were like, "No, no, you need to, you know, I, I want to come here forever." And you know, they get it that you're in business, and so there were. I ended up with so many friends because of that place. But, yeah, you know, and it gets that's I think the hardest thing is where your customers become friends, and then yeah. you're like, "Well, I can't mark everything down for it's you." Tricky. Yeah, so it's it's a very it's it's a difficult dance, but I mean it's doable. Do you find out who your your real friends are at that point? Do you ever have any of those situations where they uh, they stop talking to you after that and they stop getting breaks? No, not really. I don't think I, I don't think I've lost. No, no, that's good. I don't think that's any good. of my like close friends were you know collectors that came to the shop. It was more the other way around. Collectors that came to the shop became friends. A better so. environment in the filmmaking world. <laughs> yeah. I had a quick question for you. I'm always, whenever I hear that somebody had a, uh, like a comic book shop or whatever, mm-hmm. I always wonder to myself, I said, with all the trade-ins and all that, what was the best thing that you've ever gotten because you, you, you were like the main man that you, that came across the table that you could say, whoop, I'm taking that. Thank you. Oh, like for my personal collection? For your personal collection, yeah. So that's really an interesting thing is when I opened the shop, my personal collection basically disappeared. Uh, how so? You sold it or it got stolen? Um, no, no, no. Like I just – I still had things that I collected, but it became less and less because it became like all of this is my collection. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, so like it was almost like – this weird kind of collection caretaking thing where you're like, I always wanted um, the GI Joe aircraft carrier. That was like my dream item. And then I had two and I sold them both, but it's just like, that's cool. And I'll probably get another one. And it it just became like this uh, ever changing collection where I could appreciate something for a long time. And then I could turn around and make a profit on it. And, but at the same time, like, knew something else cool is coming in the door. So yeah. like I, I, there wasn't really too many weird. Um, I mean, we had some, like we had the, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the Batman animated series figures, but yeah. we had the, we had the Robin dragster, which was crazy hard to come by um, yeah. boxed. Um, yeah. We had some really, really cool stuff. And it was just, to me, it was like, I loved finding the stuff. Yeah. The hunt. And then it would sit for a while and then it would go and then it would find some more stuff. And it was, it was the act of finding it. I think that was the, the part that I really liked. Yeah. The hunt's the best part with anything, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know if I was, uh, some of those things, I could never give up all of them. You know what I mean? I could never sell off two if I had them. I feel I would have like an empty, I would have that empty feeling inside me of like no longer being there. What a world. Yeah, I, I mean the one thing that still kind of like lingers and that I still buy like a ridiculous amount of is um, Dungeons and Dragons minis. Okay, uh-huh. nice. I mean I'm a big D and D guy, and it's you know COVID sitting around with nothing to do and like flipping through Amazon. You're like, yeah, I'll take a brick of that and a brick of that. <laughs> and sure, this you know 
yeah, encampment set or whatever, and then it shows up, and you're like, I can't even get together and play. This sucks. But you know, we're you know, it's it's weird. Like it's hard to say. Like I'm not the collector I used to be. I used to collect crazy amounts of stuff, and then after the store, kind of became like, well, I can't. Just like a sheer, where do you put it all? Right. It's true. I can see that. You know, I feel like. when you go to stores, you can see how they have like that upper level almost mm-hmm. same yeah. floor, but like there was all, it's like a display that you just look at. Yeah. Keep everything up on the top shelf and sell like from the, you know, top sh- down from the top shelf type deal. And I have, I, anything? Huh? I have friends that were dealers for years and you like go over their house and it's borderline hoarderish, And you're like, <laughs> well, in, in this box is this, 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 and this, yeah. and in this, bo- and you're like, that's cool. But like, I can't see it or, you know, it's, yeah, they have to be out and displayed, be on yeah, display yeah. so everyone can see it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a fun thing. I love the action figures. Action figures is big. When I, The comics weren't really my thing with collecting them, but I got into a lot of action figures for sure. He-Man, Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters and stuff. You know, they just, I, I just got, yeah. I think if I was, was going to go back and buy something again, it would probably be Shogun Warriors, like the right. 1970s, what are they, 20s? Four inch? No, they might have been taller than that. They're big, big giant plastic robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was just one of those. I always wanted them as a kid. Just... I co- yeah, I, yeah. I'd love to go back and get. What, they just redid the Ghostbusters, the like the retro release of the Ghostbusters. I yep. grabbed those up. Those are cool. They got He Man mm-hmm. ones too. I wish I had some uh, Police Academy when they did those. Oh yep. yeah, I, I know Alex. I remember Alex those. has a couple. Yeah, I'd love. To I have used them. to have. Um, the Zed figure on the card, that was one yeah, of the... Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a series I wish I had. Also, do you guys remember when the Warriors released, like, a, uh, they were a little bigger than your 8-inch? They might have been 16. Um, it was the war. Yeah, Warriors, the movie action figures. Those that wasn't there. too long ago, right? I mean, no, that was like too long ago. ago. So, yeah, was, maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. We're all old men, I can tell by our beards. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of those, like... That's when you knew you were in business for a while. You'd have these kids that were like 14 or something like this and be like, oh, my God, this is so old school. And you'd be like, I didn't <laughs> order that like from the distributor. So yeah, to go with you earlier, like if in the 80s or something or even the 90s, if you were opening up a comic book shop, you were really taking I feel like nowadays it's less of a gamble because of pop culture and comic cons everywhere and everything. So like it's such a big deal in pop culture now, you know. Well, the uh, the interesting thing is, I was kind of like right on, right on the bubble where, you know, comic books are. You can still rely on your comic book collectors that you know and have been coming to your shop are going to come in and pick up whatever you have them. You know, a pull a pull list for them. Yeah. Um, but it's much more about you know pop vinyls and video game. Like I was just starting to stock used video games in my store when we went out of business. Yeah. And, um, you know, now that's a, you know, yeah. used, used video games are huge now. Yeah. And, um, and consoles, like I, I had like four Ataris and I couldn't get rid of them, <laughs> yeah. but you know, now it's a totally different story. Um, so I think it's more, you know, the keychains and patches and stickers and figures and, you know, we sold a ton of statues. Yeah. I think I probably moved more statues than most of my friends that were dealers just because we stocked them. And then we had, you know, when, once people found out about you, they would 
you know, come in and, and do their shopping with you. Cause you pretty much, it's nice when you first start carrying something, you haven't built the clientele for it yet. And so when the, those customers come in, they'll be like, Oh my God, I haven't seen this statue in like a year. And you've been like, yeah, cause it's been sitting on that shelf for a year. So you seem like you have all the cool stuff and yeah. you know, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. You think uh, the way that like Walmart and Target sells collectible action figures and all these Funko pops and they want exclusive stuff. And I think that's hurting comic book shops, your regular mom and pop ones. Uh, of course. Um, yeah. It was always a challenge to, figure out I always had to make sure I didn't order what Walmart was going to carry because the majority of the time when you order through like your, your distributor, like diamond, your cost is more expensive than Walmart's retail price. So it would be better for me to go to Walmart and buy, you know, the Spider-Man movie figures or whatever the, you know, the super common figures are going to be and then put those in my store and mark them up a little bit um there was one that it was like a really high-end optimus prime that came out some anniversary edition i think and i'm like oh i can get that because walmart's not going to get it and of course they got it and the the nice thing about it though is walmart wants to sell them and turn that shelf and get it empty and, and put something else on it so they're not going to stock it forever. You may have to hold on to it for for longer than you'd like, but you generally speaking I ended up selling uh the stuff that they carried it just took me four times as long, which isn't ideal, but yeah. You know, is what it is. As a as a collector uh and as someone who used to sell it, how do you feel about those people that go to Walmart or Target or wherever? and completely buy out the entire series, what they have on the shelf just to sell on eBay, like an animal, like a greedy fucking animal later. How do you feel about those people? Um, that's just part of capitalism. You know, I mean, it's part in the, the person who really suffers is the kids. Yeah. I mean, that's the people I feel bad for. Um, I'm not going to feel bad for someone who is like, well, I had to go and, and spend $70 on eBay to get this figure when you bought it for 12 99, whatever. Yeah. No, you didn't. You could have done the same thing they did and gone hunted it down. And when it got up to $70, you could opt not to pay for that. Um, so it's the, the, the kids are the ones who are really hurt by that. And the reason why we are collectors is because we had those things when we were kids if if I had a chase figure and you know like some some guy came in and it's like hey man it's 50 bucks and well you take 45 no it's 50 bucks that's what they're going for because I mean it's in the same aspect is I'd be an idiot to sell it for like 15 if they're going 40 because you're just going to do the same thing right um but like if a kid wanted it I would give that kid the best possible price I could you know, because I'd, I'd rather that kid take it and have good memories with it and become a lifelong collector. But generally speaking, our clientele weren't kids. We we had very few kids that walked through the door. They're almost all adult collectors, which is fine by me because they're the ones that really had the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
I still I still like to get at certain action figures. Like the go when they redid the Ghostbusters one, I had to get them because I was you know a fan as a kid. It's I'll get, I, I'm I hate when people do that personally. Yeah, you know I go to like Savers. You've seen the whole market really change. Like I like books and stuff too. You know mm-hmm. you go you go to Savers and you have people there that are just like scanning the barcode to see if it's worth money on eBay. That it's like sure. they don't care. They don't care about. They're not going to read the book. You know what I mean? I hate that yep. so much. They just like they're just like vultures out there doing it. It's the worst. Fucking the worst. But yeah, I mean, it's it's like. Um... It's just that that's how capitalism works. That's supply and demand. Um, You know, it it sucks when you want the thing, but you know, like I said, that that was always my, my, the thing that I loved was the hunt. You know, it's better to want something for six years and find it at the price you wanted to pay than just being like, well, I paid a hundred bucks for it and got like eBay was a pain in my ass Yeah, because that's where, you know, in, you know, you're looking at from a collector side, from a, from a retailer standpoint, you'd have the exact opposite thing. So yeah. you'd have the new line of DC Direct figures, say, that cost you, I don't even remember what the hell they cost, say seven bucks. So you're supposed to sell them for like 14, 15. Yeah. And so you'd go to a show and then someone would be like, well, I want it for eight bucks. And you'd be like, no. And they'd be like, well, I can get it on eBay for eight bucks. And be like, then go on eBay and get it for eight bucks, you know, because right. someone's blowing them out for whatever reason. And so you would kind of have that absolute opposite of that where the common stuff was so much harder to get the actual retail price for because of things like eBay. Yeah. Because, it, you know, I'd put it up for 15. Someone would be like, well, I'll do 14. Someone else would be like, well, I'll do 13. And it just works its way down to, you know, you're selling CDs for like a penny just to get the, the bidding going. I tell you, man, I've had the most, the most biggest heartbreaks of my life have been overbidding on eBay. You know, oh I'm sure yeah. losing bids horrifying i remember i was at a flea market once to, with these figures behind me actually these champions behind me and yeah. i remember the dude wanted like they, came, they were 15 when they came out 14.99 and i remember the guy wanted like a lot more than that and i gave him the big guilt trip of like <laughs> i don't like how it's awful that people do that shit so he eventually just sold them to me for whatever they were on the, on the shelves which was nice um <laughs> And then they re-released them again recently. So, and now every time I go to Walmart, there's like twenty of them. So, yeah, but, it, yeah. and some of it's just being being the right place at the right time. I mean, yeah. I've even in having the right clientele. Like, I, I've been at conventions where you like walk by someone's table, and I'm like, "You have those McFarland figures for like five bucks or whatever," and they'd be like, "Yeah," and we're like, "I'll take them all." And then you take them all, and you walk six tables down to your spot put up what the actual price is and it's because they were in a dead area and couldn't sell them i'm selling the chase figure for 30 bucks 10 feet away from the guy that that had them and they've literally come over and been like did you just really tell them and like yeah man like sorry like if, if part of the game is knowing your knowing your business knowing your market and if i couldn't have gotten the 30 dollars at that show yeah i would have brought it to the shop and sold it for 30 or i'd put it on ebay and sell it everything had its own place there were things that i couldn't sell at a, a, a show i couldn't sell at the shop but i could sell on ebay yeah um one of my favorite things to do was i would go around to like comic book or pop culture shows that i'd be doing and i'd walk the hall and i'd find any horror merchandise because it's usually dirt cheap yeah. and you know living dead dolls jason figures um 
I got this one time I got like little Freddy Krueger stuff, plush animal type things. I know the very like, one I think you're talking about. Yeah, for like, I don't know, like three bucks a piece or something like that. And mm-hmm. then I'd kind of sit on them for a little while until I had a horror convention. And then I'd load up the car and go to the horror convention and, and you know, mark it up at, at whatever retail it was or twice what I paid for it. Because, hey, that's how retail works is you should be making 50%. Yeah. You know, generally speaking. And, um, and just blow through it. And, and horror conventions were my favorite because people would just walk up to your table and go, I want that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's 70 bucks. And they'd be like, I don't care. I want it. And, yeah. you know, it just, it was so much more fun. Yeah. We love the, we, we love and miss the old horror conventions. Yeah. Rock and shock, I think was one Ooh. of my favorites. Oh yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, that'd be, unfortunately that died before COVID even came around, but they're, yeah. they're, they're yeah. making them, they're, they're supposedly figuring out something for a new one. Yeah. I don't know exactly what happened, whether it was investors that pulled out or just got tired of doing it. But um, yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun. Uh, we used to drink a lot at that show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A lot of, a lot of alcohol. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and back at the hotel too, the hotel parties in the lobby, yeah. like parties in the lobby, all types of madness. Mm-hmm. At that, uh, is it an Uno's across the street? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Place. yeah. Um, th- I, I, I miss that. The yeah. going to shows and staying over and, you know, it, uh, the best times were like three day shows. Cause like you'd go down, you'd set up Friday night. You'd kind of have a few, but you'd be tired from traveling and setting up yeah. or whatever. But then Saturday, you were already set up, so you got there like five minutes before the show opened, and you weren't going anywhere until Sunday night, so yeah. you, you know, tore up and have a blast. <laughs> yeah, we miss it. We were doing, because uh, we do the films as well, and we were doing, we were doing conventions the last couple of years, yeah. and like, you don't understand how much you're going to, you miss them until they're like guns, or, you know what I mean? It sucks. Yeah, it's yeah, a great I mean, place to meet people, and, and uh just get Show them what what you're yeah. doing and and uh, making friends. It's yeah. the whole camaraderie. I mean, that's the big thing that we're missing. Conventions were the first, like my first dabble into that business. Like I was doing conventions, I think five years before I even opened the store, and you know you got so well known from doing them that if you did it right, you would like walk into a show and be like, "All right, I've already made." 800 bucks at the show because I brought this for this person, this for this person, this for this person. And you'd have people already planned to come by and pick up stuff and you'd use it as kind of like your mini store. <laughs> and um, yeah, man, made great friends and just so many good times. Yeah. When you opened up the comic book shop, do you remember the first bit time that you were like, yeah, this was all worth it? Was there a time? Um, yeah, there were multiple times for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't want to like compare myself to a professional poker player, but you know, it's <laughs> like, you, you don't, you don't think about like those big wins like that. I don't think, I feel like I could tell you about the times where I was like, Oh, this is a disaster. And the first winter we were open, it snowed every three days Yeah, and it almost closed us because you'd have the day where it snowed. No one would go out. The day after, where everyone would start to shovel out, and so you wouldn't see anybody because they were trying to get you know their shit cut up. And that third day, you'd start to see people trickle in, and then it would snow again. Yeah, and the whole cycle would start over. I mean, we were doing like I don't know, 
500 bucks a week or something. It was, yeah. it was horrible. And at that point where you just like, I don't, I don't know if this is worth it, but it, and this is a thing is I don't care what business you're going into. Um, it's not for everybody. Right. Um, some people aren't able to handle it. It, it takes a different type of person. Um, I had a, a friend of mine who opened a winery down here and she's like, if you can't set a hundred dollars on fire and not even think twice about it, then you shouldn't open a business. Cause mm. so much of it, you just have to be like, yep, that's money. That just has to happen. I can't even think about it. it just has to go. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it's weird. Uh, when I had my comic shop, I always said that I had more cash on me than I've ever had in my entire life, but none of it was mine. Yeah. <laughs> like as I was like, I gotta, you know, I gotta have this so I can get a COD when diamond shows up so people can get their comics. So they don't get their comics. That's going to screw everything up. And, yeah. um, yeah. So it was just, it was, it was very weird, but I, I like that. I like the fact that every day was different that um, I really was in control of, of my own future, I guess, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I, I am kind of like a workaholic. Like if you're not a worker, like if you're bitching that 40 hours a week is too much for you, don't open. Your right. I don't care what business it is. Because yeah. you're going to be working like 60, 80 hours a week to make it work. Um, I think when I opened my store, the first year I was putting in 13 hour days every single day. And my rationale was we're a new store. If you drive by and want to stop, I want to be open. And then after the first year or so, then I started being like, okay, well we don't ever see anyone on this particular time. So we started like trimming the hours back a little bit here and there. And historically in my area, no shop was open on a Tuesday hmm. because they're like, Oh, it's too slow. Well, after we were open every single day, suddenly every single shop around us started opening on Tuesdays. Because, you know, people still have money on Tuesday sometimes. and they <laughs> it, you, know? you brought life. They, they need to yeah. credit you for bringing life, financial life back. Um, no, more, I'm kind of a dick and I'll just kind of, I'll make their life difficult to make my business work. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you were showing them up. Yeah, you, you have to, I'm not a vicious person, but you have to have that kind of little little bit of an edge to you where you're like, I don't, if this puts you out of business, that's so be it. That's your problem, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's parts of it that I don't like that. That was never fun for me. That kind of, it's my business to your business. So that, that part I don't miss, but yeah. at the time that's just how it was. With, uh, with those like monthly subscriptions, is that something you got to every month reach out and order or do they put you on some type of chain knowing that you're going to be getting it? You just um, so, uh, Diamond sucks and I don't, (laughs) and, but it's partly, there's just no other solution. You know, if you want to like, Oh, we're not a monopoly, but Oh, if you want to stock Marvel DC comics, you have to use us. Yeah. Um, you ordered, uh, I think typically it was two months in advance. So you would have to know or guess what you would be doing in two months. And, And the whole idea is to grow your business. So, um, I was a huge walking dead fan Yeah, and people would walk in and they'd be like, well, what should I be reading? I'd be like, Oh, you should be read, reading walking dead. And it got to the point where I hadn't read like 
a year's worth of issues because I couldn't get kind of caught up. Cause every time I'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to do like a 10% increase. And then I'd recommend it to 10% more people. They'd all pick it up and then they'd all start like reading it on a regular basis. And it almost yeah. got to the point where like, I can't get caught up on to this book. Um, so th- it was, it was pretty tricky. And especially when, like I said, we sold a lot of merch because that order still is two months in advance, sort of, because of production issues and just the way that it happened is, you know, you kind of get your order and be like, all right, so my orders are $700 a week or whatever, and you kind of start to plan for it. And I'm trying to remember now, I think you get your invoice on like a Sunday or Monday for that Wednesday. Yeah. And you'd be like, all right, so, you know, I get about $800 this week. I shouldn't have a problem getting that $700 order, and then it would be like $1,300. And you'd be like, what? And it'd be like shit you ordered a year ago is just showing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was very, it was very difficult. But again, it's I don't know parts of that I liked, and you know the same aspect is you'd have days where you'd be like, oh, you know, we should do five hundred, and you do twelve hundred. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's not for everybody. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and and when I left the business and got a real job it w- there was like a good like six months where i'm like oh this is nice i get paid every friday i know exactly how much i'm gonna have um and then you know within six months i'm like this this sucks i hate <laughs> this, this life but um yeah so it, it's there's some real nothing's perfect but yeah, I don't think anybody's. I, whenever there's work involved, I don't think anybody's fully happy. Happy, no matter what you're doing. Yeah, and if you own your own business, there, there's way more work than you've ever thought. Yeah. It's you know the hardest thing is getting your name out there, getting so people know where you are. And uh, I can't count the number of times where you know people would walk in, and even places I've worked since then, been like. Well, how long have you guys been open? You'd be like six years, and they'd be like, "What? Yeah. I live right down the street." And you'd be like, six years, man." Uh, so it's it's very tricky, especially nowadays, where you know, back in the day, if someone wanted to be like a comic book, they'd like flip open the yellow book page and be like, "Where are comic book shops in my area?" Now they just hop on eBay or Amazon, and right. you know, so it's it's tricky getting your name out there. With uh, with your comic book store, do you remember which superhero got the most numbers, sold the most books? Um, it was definitely Marvel. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were definitely Marvel store, and the peak was Civil War. Mm. So it was like very Cap Avengers. Um, yeah. I I think those were like the biggest titles. We we sold a lot of indie books. People yeah. really dug indie stuff, but you know when it comes to indie, it's like five books you're like oh i can't believe five people are reading this book um but yeah i'd probably say cap um avengers and x-men x-men always did well were you was there ever a series you know because you get to see what moves in these stores yeah is there ever a series that you felt uh never got the appreciation that it deserved i'm sure there's probably a couple but is there any big one that comes to your mind that you thought was a really great book you know, very great comic that never really moved. Um, 
trying to think. And again, this is more one of the like I, I remember the ones that didn't that yeah, sold yeah. well, and you're like, why? <laughs> why does everybody want She Hulk number seven? Yeah. And you know, um, <laughs> it, it's for the artwork. <laughs> now, the Gar- like Gar- like Guardians of the Galaxy, that wasn't really a, a, a popular comic until after the film, right? Oh, or I could be wrong. When, when that movie came out, I was like, "Wait, who the hell are in the Guardians of the Galaxy?" Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I owned a comic shop and I didn't even know who the hell they were. And someone's like, "Oh, <laughs> Star Lord," and I'm like, "Who the fuck is Star Lord?" Yeah, I don't know uh, a lot about comics. Yeah, but I knew yeah, that. So, other heart, it's it's. I mean, Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, if you want to say someone that was underrated, Iron Man, like. Before Robert Downey, people forget. Before Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man was like at best a B-list superhero, right? But probably more like C, yeah. um, because he wasn't good enough that anyone was interested in buying the property to make a movie out of. of you know, until Robert Marvel Downey himself. I felt the same way about Robert Downey Jr. Pretty much too, realistically. Yeah. Oh, oh, I was a big Robert Downey Jr. fan. I did too, but I, I, I loved them when he was all on, fucked up on drugs. I loved them then too. You know what I mean? But. <laughs> They, oh they, yeah. They, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for they sure. turned their head. They turned their head to Robin for a couple of years there. They they, they did the old uh, blocking yeah, of the, um, the eyes to him. I love Robin. But he really turned he yeah. turned his life around, and it was to me. People were like, "Oh, what do you think about him?" I'm like, yeah. a drug addict playboy playing an alcoholic playboy. It seems perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Works. Yeah, and, and you know when that movie came out, it was just night and day difference between yeah. you know he was household name and then became like, you know, give it six months. Everyone's, everyone is going to know who photon is. And, you know, it's, I mean, the guardians is a perfect example. I had, I had to Wikipedia those people be like, I don't, I don't know who these characters are. And then I read their wiki entries and I'm like, I still don't care. (laughs) We often say Sam Raimi reinvented the superhero movie. How do you feel about that? Um. Hmm. Uh, I f- see. I would, because I'm older, I'd probably put that in, in Tim Burton's lap. You know, Tim Tim Burton was the one that kind of yeah, dark made superhero movies. Well, dark, but just good again. Style. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to shit all over Superman because I don't like Superman. <laughs> Too bad. That's okay. Um, you don't like him either. Like, to me, it's the first good comic book movies were the Batman movies. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone's like, oh, well, the Superman ones were accurate. I'm like, yeah, but Superman, Superman's stupid. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a 1930s character with 1930s, like, you know, personality traits. Like, it doesn't fit. Yeah. So I feel like Tim Burton was the one that kind of, like, really kicked it off. Then, you know, got influenced by mcdonald's so like batman forever was a nightmare yeah yeah but yeah i I think that started it and the the thing that really made superhero movies happen is digital effects without digital effects we wouldn't even be having this conversation of course yeah even with (laughs) like batman and um that uh, Punisher, Punisher kind of, yeah, but uh, God, Punisher's not a superhero. Punisher is tough, but it, it's he's not a superhero. Hey. He's a villain. <laughs> Depends, and I he, guess. He, is. he goes around and murders people. Yeah, he goes around and murders people. Uh, he's a villain. Demons um, to some, angels to others. 
Mm, no, he's just a villain. <laughs> he's the, he's the villain where the superheroes like your your heart's in the right place, but you're a horrible person, and I have to work with you to to for the greater good. Yeah. You know, it's like no one, you know, Spider Man, Daredevil don't like him. He's, yeah. you know, yeah. I I, I I just always find Punisher to be like such a shallow character. It's like after like one mini series, I'm like, I'm done. Like it's just him running around murdering people. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I get it. Um, I liked Warzone. But, uh, you guys like Punisher Warzone? That movie is actually pretty solid. If I that that that, that is that's a pretty uh, that is a very fun uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, not my favorite version of Punisher, but yeah. uh, I enjoyed it. I actually, I think I like the Thomas Jane one the best. I thought that was done well. Yeah, I really liked the Thomas Jane one. Uh, the only problem I had with it was I think that uh, for a Punisher movie, they had the tendency to focus more on John Travolta's character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I mean, if there was ever what I would say, because a lot of people just overlook it. I mean. I thought Thomas Jane was perfect, great as the Punisher, but because you had John Travolta as the villain, they just had a tendency to be more John Travolta-centered. So that's why I think that movie didn't do as, as well as it could have been. Yeah, and I think that was something that Marvel Studios has done really well. Um, up until recently, we'll see how it goes, but they've still done a really good job with it, is to... You know, Robert Downey Jr. wasn't the star that he is today when they signed him. Yeah. Um, you know, no one knew who Chris Helmsworth was and Chris Evans, you know, people barely knew. They they were basically nobodies who became big names. Um, that's starting to change, but most of all, mostly it's like small cameos like Robert Redford and Stallone and um but the the, the I think the big test will be the Eternals with um Oh shit, what's her name? Angelina Jolie. Thank you. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think that'll be a big test to see. Honestly, the only name I remember being associated with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Kamel Nanjiani, he's the one that I, I can't wait to see. He's a stand-up comedian who just like got ripped to be in that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I've seen some pictures of that. Yeah. They're going to be Alexander Hawks in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And this is one of those, this is like the fun part of owning a comic book shop is you'd have people come in and, and talk about the upcoming, like, Oh, what do you think is going to be like this? And, and how do you think this person's going to do? Like, that was kind of like the community part of it that I really enjoyed and how you end up becoming friends with your, your um, customers, because you're generally all, you know, you may have that, um, difference of, you know, I feel like Matt's mad at that shit all over the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. But like uh, my best friend uh, now it was a customer and I remember the first time, well, he remembers it better. The, he came in the store and I made fun of what he was buying. I think it was like a <laughs> Superman book and I'm like, Superman's stupid, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, you know, in true Simpson combo guy way um, and just gave him a hard time about it. But, you know, in a fun joking fashion and 
you know, we've been good friends since then. It's like, if, if you can't have those heated debates about who, who's better fighting zombies, Batman or Deadpool, or, you know, that's, that's, you know, could, could Wonder Woman or underdog pick up Thor's hammer, you know, like those, that's, that's the fun part of being a nerd. Yeah. yeah. You deal with a lot of theft at the, at the shop. Um, more than I would have liked. What type of, uh, what type of customer are we talking about here? Oh, it it varied. Um, There was this one punk kid that stole magic cards and it it was a very unique shop. So it was actually in an old uh, Cape style house. Yeah. So as you pulled up, it looked like it was just like this little side room on a house. But then like people would start to like walk around and they kind of like peer through the door. They'd be like, Oh my God, is this the whole house? And I'm like, yeah, man, it keeps going. And they just kind of like walk through and this is before, um, you know, nest cams and good webcams. So yeah. it, it was it was a significant issue. And so there was this one kid that I remember would steal magic cards. And the only reason why I caught him, I didn't actually catch him. I kind of caught him after the fact is because he never took like the wrappers. He like ducked the wrappers somewhere. And so I found like this little mouse nest of wrappers. And I'm like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> so then I just moved moved him where I could see him. It's like, you, ba- you know, like you basically took it away from him. Um, did, you, uh, did you give him that big smile the next time he came in and it wasn't in a place for him to Like, stay like he, he walked back to where they would be. We'd come <laughs> out and I'd be like, oh, they're right here right now, like right in front of me, you little prick. Or they're um, in a place you can't steal them anymore. Yeah, I, I never actually caught someone <laughs> actively stealing. Yeah. Um, there was one guy that came in one time and he's like looking around, whatever. And he's like, "Oh, cool store." I'm like, "Oh, thanks." He's like, "What? What's like the most valuable thing you have?" Oh my god! And I'm be like, "Well, like, what are you into?" He's like, "Well, what's just like the most valuable thing?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't." And like, why would I answer that question? And it's the only time like I've ever gone out and like got the make, model, and license plate of someone. Yeah, car. yeah. If I get broken into it, I'm like, I'm ran this guy out in a second. Yeah. Um. But generally speaking, I, I, I feel like most people are pretty cool. Um, and then if you notice something missing, it was like, okay, did it get stolen here? Um, was it kind of like in a box that it got, you know, did I bring this to a show recently and it gets stolen yeah. to the show? You know, theft happens and it sucks, but. Yeah, the show is too, you know, we, we like I said, we sell our movies at shows and it's funny because we make indie films and people steal the DVDs out of the cases sometimes. It's like. Yeah. They just want to steal the steel or some kleptomaniacs or something. Right. And you just, it's like, why man? Like, <laughs> like I get someone stealing from Walmart. Cause that's like a nameless faceless, you know, multi-billion dollar company. But you're like, I'm just trying to make enough to feed my kids. And you know, it's, it sucks, but when they want know. it, they want it. Yeah. It, it it's, I think like, that that little kid pissed me off the most because I feel like he was really obnoxious to deal with in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you just had to kind of make sure you locked up what what you thought might get stolen. Keep small stuff where you can see it. It's it's you know part of the game. There's like a lower level criminal that like goes around just robbing from people that don't want to be really don't need to be robbed from. Yeah, yeah. Like the opposite yeah. Robin Hood. And yeah. most of it's, I think, like young kids yeah yeah i mean if you got to kind of look on the positive inside and maybe that magic deck saved his life or something who knows who knows no fuck him (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe he became a big uh, world champion at, at Magic. Yeah. Did you guys do? Then he owes me some money for sure. Yeah. Did you guys? <laughs> Did you do like the the gathering competitions inside the store? I see that every now and then. No, we um we didn't do a lot of that because we were kind of located between two gaming stores. Yeah. So we didn't carry a ton. Um, I would carry some here and there, and that was one of those like weird, where I, I'd have um, like packs of you know Hero Clicks or whatever the particular gaming thing wasn't at the time. And they'd kind of sit, sell a little bit here, a little bit there. And then, like, you'd have one person that would happen by, and they'd be like, you have these? And I'd be like, yeah. They've, they've been sold out for six months, and they'll just buy, like, as much as they humanly possibly yeah. could or within, like, three weeks buy it all. Um, yeah, I, I was, like, I love playing D&D, but I was never huge into magic. I, I felt like magic in Heroclix was, it rewards people who spend money on it. Yeah. You know, like the more magic cards you bought, the better you were. Yeah. And uh, it just never super appealed to me. And so we, we kept some, but, you know, like the, if a new series came out, I'd buy a box. And yeah. once it was gone, it was gone. Stealing kind of, you know, when you did see it, was that kind of the wildest thing? You guys never really had any fighting or anything, no fights or anything like that? Uh, the shop? No, I've seen yeah. fist fights at, at conventions. Sure, oh, of course, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, between the uh, very first convention I ever did. Um, so this was kind of like overfill from my collection and a few things I'd found and picked up along the way that I didn't really want, but I knew was valuable. And uh, my girlfriend at the time helped me out and like set up this table, and it was like slapdash. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, directly across from me these two vendors are arguing and uh one of them used to be like a show promoter um before cons got big and just jumped the table and starts like throwing haymakers at the other guy and i turned my girlfriend i'm like what the fuck am i doing here like does this happen every show um so yeah i've seen i've seen crazier stuff at show in the store there was never huge crowds you know it's, right. it's like wednesdays were busy but you know five six people in the store at a time it, it was a big store but it wasn't enormous yeah um and, and people are you know people aren't angry out buying comic books you know they want to have fun and we would throw you know anniversary parties for the store and yeah um yeah, it was it was it was a fun environment. There, there weren't too many angry people. There were a few customers that would get angry over dumb shit, but you know, what are you gonna do? The really passionate comic book people can get can get like petty. I heard, like much like passionate yeah, people about anything. I, I never found it was the passionate ones. It was more just like crazy weirdos. Like, um, there was one guy that wanted. I bet, Bags and boards. I hated bag boards because they could never keep them in stock. They were expensive to buy. Um, so I was kind of lazy about ordering them. And one guy's like, oh, I need bags and boards. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. I'll, I'll put an order. And I put an order. And I didn't put in nearly a big enough order because they kind of flew. And um, so then, like, next time he came in, he's like, oh, you still don't have bags and boards? I'm like, oh, man, like, we had them in last week. We sold out. He's like, you, you didn't you didn't save me any? And I'm like, I, it's, it's just bags and boards, man. Like, I didn't. Like, yeah. not like the latest issue of something that sold. It's, I can get more. Never saw the, the guy again. Yeah, I feel like and you're like, like okay, whatever. 
Yeah, with the comic book thing, uh, yeah. I was, the ordering thing, I was I brought that up because I feel like if there was a if there was a month that you missed a certain, you know, comic book line, and the the person that regularly would got it there didn't get it that month, they would probably be so upset that they would like never return. Yeah, you know, it, it's I I don't think I ever missed ordering, but frequently you would get like poor shipping, Damaged. either the, it was packed poorly. Or or damaged, so yeah. you're like, okay, I I got all the Thors I ordered, but they're they're mangled, and so you'd call up Diamond and be like, hey, can you send me some replacements? And then the people who like had it on their pull list been like, that's the hottest comic out there. There's not gonna be a replacement. It's sold out everywhere. And be like, I have this mangled version if you want it. Like, but I mean, that's just kind of out of your control. There's nothing. Yeah. Like I said, those those people were generally if they were on your list where you're pulling for them you knew them well enough and you know that they understood you know yeah. they weren't they weren't happy and usually like if it was that bad i'd be like listen i'll give it to you for cost just so you can read it but you, know, you ever get a chance to meet the great stan lee i know he made a couple stops in massachusetts uh before. no i never met him i'm trying to so i met um oh man my favorite meet meetups uh, Seth Green. There you go. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, he was cool. Uh, Jason Momoa briefly, like he walked by our table <laughs> at a con. We got beef and, with Momoa. Uh, uh, yeah, Madden. Uh, Jason Momoa have a big beef. We have a big gigantic beef, me and Momoa. D- does he know? <laughs> yeah, he started it. Yeah, he uh, started it. Uh, okay. He's always um, texting me. Him and his wife always texting me, talking yeah. shit. Yeah, uh, that and it's so funny. Like everyone's like, "That's Jason Momoa," blah blah. I'm like, "No, where did he get the the Guinness?" I'm like, "He's got a Guinness. I want a Guinness. This beer, oh, yeah. the show's got shit beer." Um, Green room. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, uh, it, it, to me, again, it was like more like I like had some really cool interactions with not the biggest people, like. Um, Oh crap! Oh Hall- Halloran um, played Dante. Oh Brian! Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Brian, Brian. Brian. I was gonna call him Jason. I knew that was wrong. <laughs> Great guy. Um, yeah. Hanging, hanging out at Rock and Shock, like talking hockey with him at Uno's. Yeah. Uh, that was super cool. Um, Did you I'm play like, with him on on the roof? Uh, no, that would have awesome. been awesome. Oh come yeah. on, <laughs> that's what I would have done. <laughs> yeah. Good old Uno. Uh, he was bitching about the Rangers. Um. Yeah, and uh, let's see. I had dinner with um, uh, you know Scott Schwartz. Oh yeah, yeah, big, um, big bald dude. He was in Ocean's Eleven, and he's in a ton oh, of stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's like just a big scary guy. Yeah. Um, like he was a friend of a friend of a friend, so we all ended up going out to dinner. He's a super nice guy. I feel yeah. like most of my cool celebrity interactions have come post comic book shop. They don't mm-hmm. hang around the comic book shops like they used to. <laughs> you know well, I mean? no, now I now you know I try to interview them, so it's it's I get some more so, interesting things. Where do you think the future of comic book shops is going? Do you think there'll always be a little like physical place to go? You think it might all go eBay type deal? Um, I think there. I think there will always be. I think they'll always exist. Yeah. Um. There's going to be fewer and fewer. Uh, right. the the curious the 
is how is it going to go digital? Like, I mean, even at the time when I was selling, you could see the effects of the digital world on it. Um, and that's only going to increase. Yeah. But, you know, there are, it's so hard to say because I, I used to always be the person to be like, no, I'll never give up my CDs. I like to have the album art and this, that, yeah. and the other thing. I don't I don't even know if I have any CDs now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very weird time. Um, I definitely think it will more and more be about the swag, the lunch boxes, the action figures, the, the bookmarks and yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's, 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 it's so historic stuff, you know, there, there's real history in those comic books because a lot of the superheroes took place in the world we live in and you can, you know, go back and see Captain America punch Hitler. And, <laughs> you know, you, you, you could write a paper about, you know, racism in our time by looking back at comic books. I mean, yep. it's, you know, people are up in arms about Dr. Seuss, um, but mm. Dr. Seuss drew some super racist stuff, man. Like it, that's yeah. just how it happens. And, and the same thing with comic books, man. It's some of the older stuff, you're like, oof, that's not okay. It existed and we're allowed to look at it, but we have to at least acknowledge that it's not okay. Yeah. And, um, and you know, Superman's pushing 100 years. You know, it's That's a, a historical character. And so there will always be a market for the old stuff you know people always be collecting the old stuff yeah how much new stuff gets created i don't know especially if it becomes to the point where you know if the three of us were putting out a book it might be cheaper for us to put out a digital copy and not do uh, a print copy yeah you're seeing that a lot more and more in the music industry is they're like why am i gonna waste money on a cd that no one's gonna buy Mm. and i can put out my whole album and make just as much money and put it out for four bucks, opposed to trying like recouping money on a on a CD. And yeah, you know, the digital age is here. Yeah, you know, and and that's that's part of when I had my shop. Why I started getting into the video games because I saw the yeah, trend, and I'm, you know, I feel like the people who kind of stamp their feet and be like, comic book shows aren't the way they used to be when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah too bad, dude. Grandpa. Like you, you need to change with the time. It's not the other way around. Um, And your your job as a retailer is to give the customer what they want, not tell the customer what they want. Yeah. So if I want, if I want to come in and buy 400 keychains with varying versions of Spider-Man on it, well then you should have those in stock. Yeah, for sure. If if you're going to have a business, you need to learn, learn to adapt to keep that business going. Absolutely. If you want to just do it your way, have a hobby, have a yard sale, you know, yeah. you don't have a business. Have an eBay store, you know, there you, if go. you just want to do, yeah. Um, I remember one of the biggest lessons I ever learned was from a, a friend of mine at the time that we kind of lost touch. But like, I was at a point where we're struggling, like every business struggles. And uh, I was kind of not quite throwing my hands up, but kind of that point where I'm like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And he's like, if you don't have a hundred auctions on eBay tomorrow, you, do, you don't want this to work. And I'm like, that, well, yeah, that, that, well, if you're just going to tell me the truth and yeah. came in the next day, walked around the store, I'm like this is going on eBay, this is going on eBay, this is going on eBay. 
Because you end up holding on to things that are like you want people to walk into your store and have those pieces where you're like, oh my god, I can't believe you have blah blah blah. Yeah. So you don't ever want to sell it for less than what it's worth because you're like, well, it's just the fact that it's here that makes your gives your store credibility. You know. Yeah. So it's it's such a you know wall books are a perfect example. Yeah. You know, if someone yeah. came in and bought all your wall books, you'd be like, shit, I look like a crappy store now. <laughs> <laughs> you're like a bodega that you'd be selling weed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So well, it's it's it was weird. It's it's a weird experience, but I loved it. Yeah, it's one of those deals. Andy thinks everybody should own a comic book shop at one point in their life. No, for a little bit. For no. a little bit. No, no, I take that back. No, I take my, that back. Uh, I my that. my favorite bit of advice <laughs> in regards to everything. This has come up a bunch of times on my podcast and 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 stuff is. You know, people are like, oh, what, what, what's the, you know, if you want to get into acting or if you want to start this or if you want to start a podcast, what is the best bit of advice you can give? And I'd be like, don't do it. <laughs> and it's because if me telling you don't do it even gives you half a second of hesitation, you're, you're not going to succeed. So it's, it's almost like a, a blind stubbornness that just, you know, you're like, no, this is going to work and I'm going to yeah. make it work. And, you know, if I go in to open a comic book shop and I end up selling more video games, well, that's how the shop's going to work. And I have to accept that. You know, if you're so set in your ways that you're like, no, we're only selling Spider-Man comics and no one wants to buy Spider-Man comics. Well, then you're not the person to be in business. It's yeah. business. Uh, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. It's probably for a very few number of people. Very friend. It's because you like something don't mean you need to sell it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Might even and, be a uh, less of a reason why you should sell it. Yeah, or or just you know, like you said, dabble on eBay, yeah. put it up on you know Facebook Marketplace. There's plenty of places where you can, you know, make a couple extra hundred bucks here and there, and, and you know, be like, oh, I'm I'm kind of getting that thrill, and then you can yeah, still yeah. punch your punch your time clock and and get your paycheck on Friday. But you know, when it when it comes down to like, I need to pay my car insurance, the rent for the store, and have enough to pay the diamond. Like, how's this all gonna work? Most people don't think about that, don't want to deal with that. It's it's not. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. Alexander, you have any more questions for Andy? No, not really. I mean, uh, most of the stuff I would have uh, said. You're the uh, you're the hit. Um, but I mean, one of the uh, big things that uh, which uh, uh, we uh, kind of you talked about was the uh, digital media, uh, and a lot of people I've talked to have uh, told me about their fear of like the physical media totally going away and only being like movies only streaming, uh, comic books only being digital. And what's your thought on that? Do you think? that there's going to be, let's say, in another 10, 20 years where uh, you won't be able to buy a comic book or a movie, but everything will be just in that digital like world, that ether. Well, you can still buy a vinyl album. I buy plenty all the time. Yeah, I mean, I can see them behind you. <laughs> like, it's... To me, it's that, like, people like, oh, you know we're not going to be able to go to the movie theaters, but there'll still be places to go. There'll be far less. Um, yeah. But why would I pay $12 to 
overhear someone's shitty date while I'm trying to watch a movie. <laughs> when I oh, it adds to the ambiance. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't like, and that's the yeah. thing. Like, I love sitting in a theater, but with the way that flat TV screens are, are and the audio systems are now, and the streaming streaming digital is so good, yeah. I can get that theater experience at home. So it's this kind of fear of like, oh, things are going to be different. Be like, yeah, yeah, man. Like they're going to be different, but better. Um, it's going to hurt mom and pop. I mean, there's no mom and pop theaters anymore. Yeah, so that's whatever. Better. But like um, the mom and pop shops, <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to have to change. They're going to have to figure out, <laughs> you know, wh- what what the new landscape is going to look like for collectors. I mean, human beings are collectors by nature. I mean, we have museums, we have the Smithsonian, you know, we're hunter gatherers by nature. Yeah. Um, we will always want stuff. Yeah. What that stuff is going to be. It, it might not be comic books, but there'll be something that the, the nerdy guys in the future are going to want to, to have. And, you know, it, it's, you know, at one point I was buying, Power Ranger action figures by the case at yard sales for like five bucks and nobody wanted them. Yeah. And, you know, 10 years later, they're going for like 25 bucks a piece. It's, you have to think about what is the 18 to 35 year old market going to be buying 10 years from now. They're going to be trying to recapture what it was when they were youthful. So yeah. like, nostalgia it, is a big, big thing. That's what drives the whole industry in this. And it's, you know, uh, it, it will, maybe it'll be the, the Iron Man costume that they wanted for Halloween that they couldn't get. Mm. Maybe it's going to be a Captain America shield replica that they saw at a comic book convention that they're like, Oh my God, I always wanted that when I was little. And now I have, you know, an extra $400 and no kids and no house that I have to worry about. Um, you know, and that's why video games became popular when they were popular. Like people my age and younger were at that age where they had expendable income. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, I could have a Howdy Doody doll and not be able to move it forever because yeah. that <laughs> audience has died off. And that's just how it is. Um, so the whole pop culture industry is constantly changing. And if you're a, a pop culture store, which a comic book shop basically is, you need to change with the pop culture. Like again, it's, it's like walking into stop and shop and stop and shop saying, no, we're only selling chicken. You'd fail. Like your, your store, you're supposed to have what the customer wants. So you need to meet the customer's needs and moving forward into the digital age. We need to understand what it is that the customers still want to purchase. Is it paper, paper comic books? I don't know. Maybe, you know, is it a thumb drive that I've already downloaded every digital copy of, you know, uh, the amazing Spider-Man onto maybe, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it, this is the part where things become creative and people have to figure out like what's new and what's, what, what's, what's the next big thing. Yeah. I think there'll always be physical media, you know, uh, yeah. Just because you know, very all the all this digital stuff, very easy to steal and just distribute for free. Where the physical media is more, you know. And how many times have you had a computer crash? Yeah, exactly. Mean, like yeah. your whole comic collection is suddenly gone because your computer crashed. I mean, that's yeah, that's the know, weird. 
that's the weird thing where all the people down who download and build up all these movies and music and stuff. It's like, what if these bigger, bigger places crashed, you know, like yeah. an iTunes or something actually crashed and you lost everything. They're not going to give it back to you. You have to buy it all yeah. back. You know, yeah. what I mean? mm-hmm. it's cry. We're big physical media people over here. Yeah. Uh, at least. Yeah. Well, I, mean, also, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, go ahead. Uh, I've been a big physical media person in the past until I got divorced and had to move like a bunch of times. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, hard drives way lighter than a box of books. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. yeah, it's tricky. It's fun. But I don't think it'll ever go anywhere. You know, there'll be digital stuff. It'll probably get more digital in the future. I'd be curious to see, you know, in the future what they do to try and uh, what they do to that digital stuff to try and like put a halt on the easy access of sharing. You know what I mean? That that'd yeah. be interesting to see. But it'll always be, yeah, because digital's is fast, faster. You want it fast. You want it quick. You know what I mean? It'll always be there. Might even get quicker. Um, but physical stuff will always be there for sure. Like you brought up vinyl. You know. Whoever thought vinyl, I think last year, the year before that was like the first time vinyl outsold, you know, CD and maybe even digital, mm. something like that. It was something crazy like that where uh, for the first time in 30, 40 years or whatever, it was like the number one because everybody likes the, it, the vibe of it, you know. Well, uh, but I mean, that's an interesting thing is it's just, you know, you could say like, oh, they they outsold vinyl and, you know, downloads, but are you taking an account to, you know, like views on YouTube and Spotify? Like yeah. I don't pay for music anymore. Like, right. and, I, and I don't mean like I'm stealing it. Like right. I go to Spotify or YouTube Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's just it, to, to go back and explain to high school age Andy yeah. what I would be doing with my time now, like, I don't even know how to start to do that. And that, that shit's only going to increase and become more convoluted with all these, you know, more and more platforms that get your, your movies than ever before. There's shutter there. There's, you know, you can put it up on YouTube. You can, you can sell it digitally. It's, it's just such a different time. And that is only going to change and increase. I think more. Yeah, with that newer audience, that younger audience, like the whole supporting the artist thing goes over their head. I think they don't understand that, like buying the albums and stuff like that. Actually, they figure you know the record label, probably, the record label's paying them. You know, they can do all that. When you know anybody that knows anything about the music business, you know the record label uh, ain't your friend. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh uh, no, for sure. You know, but and you know it, it's weird. Like I don't I. Like, I'm not a, a big proponent of, like, oh, what younger people don't understand. Because, like, there's a lot of what we don't understand. Like, are young uh, people. I was, I'm a younger person. No, but I mean, like, <laughs> from an older person standpoint. Like, no, um, know you know, it might be better, you know, if I have 1,500 followers for me to share a band's video on YouTube. Right. They might get more money out of that one share than me going to buy their album. You know. That's true. It, it's Good such point. a it's such a weird different time that like you know that we can't even fathom and, and there's people who make their entire careers without ever really putting out an album they just yeah. do youtube videos Singles. And it's the industries have changed so much it's really just has, it's, yeah. it's a weird weird time yeah it really is it's crazy you take like the music business yeah you got people blowing up on youtube um it's crazy yeah 
it's, like it's, um there's there's a there's a cool youtube channel called uh frog leap studios yeah and he's uh a dude from finland and he's got, obviously he's got like a recording studio because he's got a beautiful uh place where he records um but all he does is take pop songs and turns them into metal songs okay we well, just he, like pre-covid so yeah, not yeah, just yeah. but so just when he was able to um just toward the u.s Nice. Like he made enough money doing this that like he could sell enough tickets in the United States. He had enough fans that he toured the country. I think he had like uh, maybe eight to ten dates. You know, got all his shit over here from Finland, toured the country, playing other people's you know versions of other people's songs, and it's that that wouldn't have happened twenty years ago. Yeah, music. You'd be like, all I do is cover other people's music, and be like, who wants to listen to that? <laughs> Well, we got like the U2, um, the cover, Joshua Tree. We got stuff like that. Like, uh, they're like a local band that kind of went. Uh, oh, yeah. I've heard of them. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah, you've heard of them type deal. Big like yeah. that, where they do cover cover music. They cover other people's music, but like, they're still, you know, pretty big. But they're, they're, like, a, they're like a tribute band. Yeah. Yeah. They only cover yeah, like, yeah. I think, I think they just scheduled a gig down here uh, in Pembroke. I thought I saw their name recently. It's true. I remember I shot a. They did the Boston. I shot a halftime show that they did at the Boston Garden once during a Bruin show. Nice. And I know that they're like known. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting vibe. It'll be curious to see where uh, you know everything goes with it though. With the music, music's such a weird deal, you know. And people, some people are becoming famous before they even make one song. They're just like a, a YouTube personality. That yeah. Weird. We're at a weird time. You know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, and and that's I mean that kind of goes back to Alexander's question is like it's the people who can change with the time will yeah. be fine. The people who are stuck in their dingy comic book shop, and I say that from you know I have a special place in my heart for those dingy comic book shops. <laughs> those are the ones I grew up on, where you're kind of like, ooh, is it even safe to be in here? Um, you know that that want it to be the same always and you know people don't understand the the true art and blah 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 and try and, and tell you what you should like yeah, yeah the simpson combo guy would not survive in in the future <laughs> no, no. because yeah, it's like don't don't tell me what i should like let me like what i like and diabetes would have killed him anyways <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah for sure uh, yeah but Andy, thank you very much. We're gonna have you on the show again and talk about podcasting. Real quick, you want to? Tell oh, I do that too. <laughs> Hell yeah, I know, I know. Real quick, you want to tell everybody uh, where they can find you? Uh, oh, sure. Um, so on social media, you can find us. Um, just search for Inebriart, I N E B R I hyphen A R T. Uh, that's one of our podcasts, and that's where we run most of our events through. Um, we have some YouTube programming up on our Inebriart YouTube program. A new bear YouTube channel. Um, we also do a couple others. We do the old colony cast. So if you're a fan of the Plymouth mass area or a fan of history, it's a good one to check out. We, we've done some really fun things with that. Um, and then if you have ever worked in the bar or restaurant industry or, you know, you like kitchen nightmare or restaurant, save yeah. my restaurant show, whatever the hell those shows are called. Um, you can check out uh, bar talk. It's uh, hosted by a couple of restaurant owners and we bring on restaurant um, veterans to talk about what it's like working in restaurants. We answer questions that are written in. Um, it's irreverent. It's fun. It might be informative. I don't know. We drink a lot. 
and uh, that's getting a spinoff video show. There's one episode up. I have to. We just recorded the last one on Monday. I just got over the hangover two days ago, um, <laughs> and that's called Day Drinking, where we go on and sample uh, different beverages. The first one's vodka. We were drinking rum the other day, <laughs> and um, it's just, it's just fun. It's if you work in a restaurant, you're gonna appreciate it because you know it's the same shit that everyone deals with. It sounds refreshing and like original too. There's a lot of podcasts that all really kind of overlap each other in themes and topics, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I have actively tried to avoid that. And um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me about, you know, helping them start podcasting. And it's always like, well, you know, what are you going to do? I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about wrestling. What happened on last night's show? I'm like, don't, don't care. I already don't care. I can listen to 400 of those. Um, so we really try to work on keeping them different. And uh, yeah, bar, like I said, Bar Talk is the most fun to record because it's just a bunch of idiots like having a good time and, and, you know, answering questions that it's, it's always weird. Like the ones that you think are dumb questions, we spend yeah. like way more time talking about it. Cause someone would be like, wait, 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 hypothetically. Yeah. And then you put it into a different perspective. And you're like, Oh, well, now that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and, and EBRR, we've gotten so many cool people. I just um, got to interview. It hasn't even gone up yet. Um, Evan Stanley, uh, Paul Stanley's of Kiss's son. Okay. Uh, so he's launching his music career. He's a super nice guy. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, yeah. Sometimes yeah. when you're a rock star son, you can be. Uh, yeah, nice like I kind of, I wasn't sure. And he's like, dude, I worked in a deli all through high school. It's like my dad's rich. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I get bad respect for that. Yeah, like he was, he was a super nice guy. Um, but we get a lot, a lot of bands, a lot of musicians, um, writers, actors. We've had Amber Nash from um, Archer. Oh, cool, cool. Doc Hammer, who created uh, the Venture Brothers. We've had some really fun people. Um, for the comic book people, we, I just interviewed uh, um, Jim Maffood. Um, so that'll be going up maybe in a couple of weeks. Um, he did the first Clerks comic. Right um, mm. Phenomenal illustrator, super nice guy. And I got really drunk with him at Hartford Comic Con. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, so if you if you get a chance, check us out. It'd be appreciated. Clerks, you almost can't do an episode with comic books without bringing up Kevin Smith. You know, I wasn't I mean? even supposed to be here today. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the great Kevin Smith. So no, this was great. This was great, guys. I uh, I appreciate you having me on. Hey, anytime. We'll have you on again. We'll go talk podcasts and drinking. Talk some drinking. Yeah, sure. Drinking. Maybe oh, yeah. we'll do a drinking episode, Huck. I like that. I'll get I'm my rum and uh, You guys can't see it, but there's a little little bar right over here, left over from the other day. Nice. Yeah. So. Behind that little that little fold up thing is a full bar that you would see at a at a bar when you go to a bar, <laughs> and uh, it's just being hidden at this moment. Well, so my office here, like right there above me, is a yeah. full uh, beer and wine store too. So Hell yeah. nice. That's uh. They should sponsor the show. It's hard to stay sober in Plymouth. <laughs> I've heard that before, uh, actually. They, uh, in pretty much all our shows, they get mentioned when we record here. Yeah. Very nice. So, it's your show, so I didn't want to like. Yeah, go for it. Free publicity. Uh, so, hey, if any of you guys are in the Plymouth area, make sure you stop by the Craft Beer Cellar at 31 Main Street in Plymouth, uh, where all your craft beer and wine needs. You can buy singles, so you can mix and match, and it is a super cool place. I, like it. I, uh, I see myself there in the future enjoying it. Yeah, man, yeah. if you if you dig beer, it's a, it's a cool place. I dig beer and all types of uh, wilderness animals, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with that being said, thank you again. We'll no catch problem. you on another episode. Alex, 
Good times. Andy. Good times. Good times. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And we'll catch everybody on the next episode of the Boombastic Cast.